0: I have three more tips for you guys. How much do you really need for a down payment on a house? Should you put all your eggs in one basket? Stick around to find out this week on the Strong Family Money Show. Let's go. Today? What's up, guys? My name is Andres. This is the Strong Founding Money Show where we help fathers improve their fitness, their finance, and their family through the information that I share. Thanks for coming back. Before we get started, if you would visit our sponsor for the episode, FreshCoffee805.com, roasting and delivering freshly roasted coffee to your doorstep within days of roasting. Give them a visit, FreshCoffee805.com. Without them, we couldn't bring this information to you. Well, let's get on with the show. First up, we have this week's Three tips, Uh, every week I try and sit down and come up with three quick tips to share with you on things that you can do right away to improve Uh, what's going on around you number one is be the toughest person in your house coming from my perspective as a father you should be the toughest person in your house you should do this for a number of reasons number one is that you want to set an example you want to make sure everyone understands that there is a spectrum of how good things are and how bad things are right and how good things are is i don't even know what's on that What's on the top of that scale i don't even can even so having a kid is like pretty high getting married is pretty high but being a superhero is like on the top of that scale okay and on the other end of the scale is dying or watching somebody die right so those are the two extremes and you have to live your life i try to live my life knowing that those are the two extremes of the scale of and happiness and suck, right? If you live your life in some part other than knowing that the, you have those extremes, if you live yourself in a narrow window, then stubbing your toe would be, stubbing your toe would be the worst thing that can happen in the world and you will react that way. And I don't know, finding 20 bucks in the ground would be the top of your scale and you will react accordingly. If you act that way in your home, then everyone in your home will act that way as well. So you have to act knowing that your experiences are only a small, however, your top greatest thing and your bottom worst thing are. That there are worse things out there that can happen, and better things out there that can happen. And you have to live your life that way, and be an example for everyone in your house, so that they, so that they also understand that and act accordingly. Um, you also want to be the toughest person in your house because you want everyone to understand that when you're around, everything's safe, everything's okay. You you know how to handle yourself and. Difficult situations you are going to be an example to them you are going to um, Not overreact when things happen and and stuff goes down and you want to make sure that everybody understands that that is Dad is in the game and understands what's what's important, and what is important to overreact to. And again, really the most important thing is to make sure that your kids understand where they sit in the world as far as good and bad things that happen, and so they can act accordingly. And when I mean toughest, I don't mean physically the toughest person or the strongest person, although that does help. I mean being mentally tough and emotionally tough. Those all go together in what tough means. You know, if you're physically, tough, that's great. If you're emotionally tough, if you're mentally tough, you uh, having all three is like the trifecta. But being mentally tough, being able to handle situations that come up that are difficult are an important example to set and an important tool to have in your tool belt. So make sure you you are tough in front of your kids and show them that you know how to handle yourself in every situation that that comes up and have them understand that overreacting is not a way to handle a situation. So number two, this is more of a fitness tip. So I'm gonna pose that overhead press, military press, is a greater indicator of strength than bench press, okay? Everybody loves bench press. Monday at the gym is bench press day. Everyone loves that. It's when you go to like um, some sort of athlete training, the combine for football or whatever, they use bench press For whatever reason, they use bench press as a measure of the strength for those athletes. The problem is, it's possibly the wrong exercise to assess strength on somebody. Is just having them lay down on a flat bench and you know bench press. You know, the overhead press recruits a lot more muscles than the bench press does. I'm going to argue you know are you benching correctly or incorrectly that's also a factor that can determine muscle recruitment when you're doing the bench press but for the most part overhead press uh, recruits a lot more muscles than does the bench press people most of the time don't like it because it's difficult a difficult movement to do because it requires more you know muscle control and contraction but if you look at like the world's strongest man competitions there's no there's no bench press in the competition but there are a lot of different events that have some sort of overhead log press in the event and usually the people that can do well in those events are the ones that do well in the whole competition. So I would wager to say that if you spend as much effort and time as you do doing bench press movements and you apply those or maybe even switch them around and spend a lot more time doing overhead pressing movements then not only will you get stronger overhead press obviously but I would say I would I would wager to say that on the whole, all your movements, all your exercises, your strength will go up in all your exercises just by focusing on the overhead press because it requires your abs, your lower back, your lats, uh, your shoulders, obviously your traps, your chest. There's some glute activation that goes on. You got to stabilize with your legs, right? I would say that that is so if deadlift, is the king of the lower body movements and we can discuss lower bodies you know if that's lower body or not because the deadlift is you know the opposite of an overhead press basically now you're pulling off the floor instead of pushing away from it if you look at the deadlift muscles recruited you know it does re- recruit almost every muscle in your body whether it's stabilizing or force activating I would like you just say that the overhead press will do the same thing so spend more time on the overhead press and I'm sure everything that you do in the gym would go up last for the tips is have a magic number so you have to sit down and say we need you need i would say what you say you need three magic numbers the first magic number you need is how much do you want to make in a year write that down have that be a goal i want to make you know whatever you're making i want to make 60 70 80k i want to make 100k i want to make 250k a year and then what am i going to do to get there you need a magic number for I'm going to retire on uh, eventually. I need to have this much money in my retirement accounts, saving whatever. I want to be able to live on this amount of money per month because I plan to live this long. So you need that magic number. You need how much do I need to be able to retire to maintain the lifestyle that I want to live? And then you want to make you want to make a magic number on what when you want to retire. Um, I want on this day on this birthday, I want to be all set up. To you know, say this is my last day of work and walk away knowing that you are all set up to be okay with, with doing that. So you need those magic numbers, you want to write them down, you wanna maybe visit them every once in a while to motivate you to reach that goal. Because you know, I don't know about you guys, but you know, I don't want to have to work until I'm you know 70 some years old because I didn't plan to be able to retire and have enough time to enjoy the whole reason. Why I've been working to begin with, and if you like your work, go ahead. That's your that's your deal. But my point is, you should work because you want to, not because you have to. When you get in your older years, because you want some time at the end of your life to be able to enjoy doing whatever you want. If that's working, great. And if, but if that's woodworking and you want to be able to, you know, make a shop in your house and woodwork every day, you know, you you should be able to have the funds to do that by planning, by writing these three numbers down. So those are the three tips for this week. Uh, be the toughest person in your house, overhead press, over bench press, and have three magic numbers. All right guys, here's this week's installment of real estate information for you. The So I've gone over a few things and get your credit ready. You want to you know, know what you want to buy when you buy a home. I've done home inspections, I've done appraisals, but that's all good and well. Here pretty soon I'm going to start I'm going to upload my first time homebuyer book to my website and I'm targeting the end of March to launch my first time homebuyer webinar. It'll be this information and more all condensed into one easy to consume piece of media. Whether you get the book, it'll probably be both. You probably get to the webinar and then you can watch the webinar and then you can get the book afterwards. So keep your eye out for that. But the biggest hurdle that everyone has usually, when they go to buy a home is the down payment traditionally through you know what you've heard from your peers or your parents is that you need 20% down to purchase a home. So that is true, and that is also not true. There are loans, if you qualify for an FHA loan, depending on you, your your personal qualifications and the qualifications of the home, you can qualify for as little as 3.5% down for a qualifying person and property, okay? So you can get, there, there's, number one, there's the number one if, or but, or exception, as you have the FHA loan. You can get a conventional loan, depending on your Personal finances and the property. You can get a conventional loan, 30 year fixed rate, for as little as 5% down. The 20% down philosophy theory comes from the a few things. The more you put down, the better your interest rate will be on the remaining portion of the conventional loan. You because then you you owe you're borrowing less from the bank. They know that you have a, a big chunk of money, so you are good for repaying the loan in their assessment so they're gonna give you a better rate that's number one number two is then you want to put 20% or more than five or 20% down because then the portion of the mortgage that accrues the interest over the life of the loan is then lower so then your monthly payment will be lower and then the total money that you pay at the end of the loan will be lower as well so the more you put up front and take care of up front will help you in lowering the amount you owe monthly and total at the final, um, at the amortization of the loan. There are times where it may be beneficial to show the seller of the home that you're buying from that you're able to put a large chunk of money down. It just looks better if you say, okay, great, everyone here at the table is putting down 10 15% or whatever, 20%. I am, I'm going to put 25% down right? That's the only thing that's going to be the difference between all of us. I can put more money down. I can get the, everything. I'm more on top of my stuff than everyone else because I can be 25. It's all just optics and how you look. So it, it could be a tool you use to seal the deal that you want to close on. And most importantly, A and B, one and two are important. Most importantly, then you won't have to incur, a, if you put 20% down, you won't have to use any PMI insurance. So PMI insurance is The bank knows that you are not putting for whatever reason a full 20% down, so they're going to insure the loan for a a certain period of time, and that period of time is until you accrue 20% ownership of the home. So if you put 15% down, you'll make payments to make up for that final 5%. Once you are at 20% equity in the home, then you will not stop paying PMI insurance, but that's extra funds and that you have to pay towards your monthly payment uh, that couldn't have gotten taken care of if you were to just put 20% down. So it's a yes or no kinda of, sorta of question depending on what your finances are, how you feel about paying extra money, whether or not you wanna get in the home fast, maybe your credit is not up to snuff, maybe you, if for whatever reason you wanna make multiple transactions, you only have so much down payment to go around, uh, you really have to sit down and decide what is important to you and by that assessment you'll decide how much you want to put down based on what happens when you when you do so so don't let not having 20 percent stop you from buying your home if that really is something that you want to accomplish just a personal plug i'm a real estate agent here in uh, oxnard and ventura county if you have any real estate questions you want to answer before t- ahead of time uh, you can go ahead and message me, Andres at strongfamilymoney.com, and I'd be happy to answer any questions you have of the home buying or selling process. There are ways to get you in a home without having to put down 20%. Again, that is depending on personal and property and market conditions. All of those things play a, a role into whether or not you can you can do so. Maybe you need 20% down, maybe you don't. It all depends on what you want to do. And again look out for my webinar and ebook that are coming out it's actually going to be on Amazon as well all right guys last subject of the video so what I'm gonna do is I'm also going to start putting out an extra video a week going in depth onto financial topics usually these videos like my live videos and, and these videos are kind of a short condensed version either because you know I, I have a ebook on it or I'm writing an ebook on it those things go into more depth on what I'm talking about but I thought it would be beneficial for everybody if I would come out with information on financial terms and topics kind of like my business school section that I was doing and go really in depth on those on those things and how it is important for you as a a head of household to know these things so you can take care of your family better so uh, I wrote this before I decided to do that and so this this subject is uh, concentration risk my video that i'm going to come out with is on uh, diversification of investments and this plays a role on how you do the other thing so concentration risk is an, and is obviously an analysis of risk of a financial portfolio so you take a look at your, the entirety of your portfolio and you see do i have all my eggs or too many of my eggs in one basket and you don't want to do that you don't want to concentrate the risk that you have in one sector or type of investment because and i'm sure you can go out and find and i've been told that this is probably not a good way to do my videos where i go down and train a train of thought while i'm filming but you can put all your eggs in one basket if you think that's how you should use your money but for the most part for risk assessment you want to spread the risk across your portfolio in different vehicles and sectors and types of investments. So because each market reacts differently and because everything we're doing is a long game, you want to be able to take advantage of the way things in in whatever market you're invested in react positively and negatively to what's going on. What you want to do is you want to sit down and you want to analyze your portfolio in its entirety and you wanna understand when your target date for accessing what you have in that portfolio is and your comfort level as you proceed towards that goal. Obviously, if you are on the younger side, you are gonna wanna have more risk because with that risk comes more reward. So on your younger side of your timeline, you may be in more volatile things that give you more reward quickly but as you progress towards your retirement date, you want to become a lot safer in what you invest in. The risk would go down um, so that you don't hit any unexpected bumps in the road when once you hit the, that that end date. You want to do many you want to do this many times as you progress towards your retirement. As, after you assess your risk, you want to then diversify accordingly, which is the subject I'm gonna cover in next week's video and move things around so that you're covered and your eggs are not all in one basket. And what you're doing is you want to, when you're assessing risk, you want to assess it on both sides of the equation. So there's risk on what you can lose, how risky is a situation, how much money can be lost on a bad decision or if something happens in the market. But also on the other side, you have to make money as you progress towards your retirement date so the risk that you take is will give you more rewards uh which translates into more money so it's a balancing act on how much you want to take at what time and at in what magnitude do you want to take it so uh this is the part of the game you play the whole time you're you're retiring going towards the retirement path you know no one everyone is responsible for their own nest egg and even if you have like a financial professional that takes care of all your money for you, you still need to be involved in what's happening because they are, they are not doing it to ensure that you're able to take your, a cruise with your wife every, every year while you're retired. They're in it to make sure that they can take their own cruise every year with their wife while you're retired. That's what they're that's what they're doing. So you want to be involved in deciding what's going on, understand all the paperwork that comes in, research lots of stuff that you want to then share with your financial professional. And if they're not receptive to that, then they might not be the right person for you. So, that's what concentration risk is. You want to assess is everything in one sector as opposed to spread out so that you can use the pros and cons of every financial vehicle at your disposal to increase the size of your nest egg so you at the end of the day have a lot of egg to work with so yeah keep a lookout for my other videos coming out on diversification i think i'm going to drop it on the 10th of february so yeah thanks a lot for watching this is the strong family money show my name is andres like i said in the beginning please visit our sponsor fresh coffee 805 Without them, we would not be able to make these episodes. If you're looking to buy or sell a home in Ventura County, I'm a real estate agent here. You can drop me an email, andres at strongfamilymoney.com. Please like and subscribe and share these videos with your friends and family. Thanks a lot, and I'll talk to you guys next time.